The Blokebusters Podcast is a proud member of the Pod Bros Network, where you can find us as well as other excellent podcasts such as Sarcasm City, Worst Millennials, and Late Night Gamers at podbros.com. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the Blokebusters Podcast. Tonight's story is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! Wait a minute, wait a minute, you ain't heard nothing yet. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Houston, we have a problem. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here, this is the war room. Now, where was I? Welcome to episode 120 of the Blokebusters podcast. I'm Paul, and today I am joined by B-Rob. How you doing, sir? I am hanging in there. As much as anybody else is. <laughs> yes. So, yes, basically, if you're just getting by, you're doing spectacularly well in this day and age. Uh, but yes, uh, yeah, it's been a little while since you've been on. Glad to have you back. Uh, and, yeah, I think uh, the last time I was here, we was wrapping up Lemony Snickers, huh? That is right, yes. Um, yeah, that was uh, not too long before the sort of brief hiatus uh, uh brief you know several months yeah Yeah. (laughs) there's like minutes in podcast years yes yes that actually uh and yeah one of my favorite podcasts uh they typically go like seven months between making an episode because they are just busy and then every now and again they'll be like oh yeah we recorded something here you go (laughs) (laughs) yes i'm not planning on having that happen again so uh yes we'll see how this goes but Yes, we are here today to discuss Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And, uh, well, before I get into that, I will see if I can remember how to do all of this stuff. If you want to talk to us about anything said on this episode or anything on any previous episode, or just talk to us in general, because, you know, why not? Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Blokebusters. You can go to blokebusters.com if you like. Um, The network that we are currently on is ending at the end of this year, but you can still go to podbros.com and check out all the other great shows there so that you uh, don't end up not having a place to find those at the end of this year. Uh, But yes, uh, that's where you can find us. And uh, you know what? B-Rob, change it up. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you at the beginning of the show this time? Well, you can find me on Twitter at 3rshow. And um, another place that you could possibly find me is in Walmart. And to chronicle that, you can follow me on Instagram to where you can see me now sheathed up with a mask and everything like everybody else that goes outside should be. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's another that's yep. a different podcast. <laughs> <We ain't. laughs> yes, that's uh, unfortunately that can get you in testy waters. Um at this point in uh, in some areas of the world uh but yes uh, so as i said uh, we are about to discuss scott pilgrim versus the world directed by edgar wright with a budget of 85 million dollars and a worldwide box office of only 48 million 56 thousand 764 us dollars okay so where which, are you pulling where are you pulling your numbers from where am I putting my numbers from? Uh, well, it used to be Box Office Mojo. Um, okay. 
However, it's not box office mojo anymore. It's just a site called The Numbers now. Oh, because I pulled mine from IMDb while I was kind of looking up the casting and everything. And um, I mean, I guess, you know, because it says the budget was $60 million estimated. So, I mean, yeah, I right. mean, you can estimate yeah. a lot of shit. And then their um, worldwide gross was 47. So it's not too far off in the worldwide gross. But yeah. either way, if you go with the budget of 60 million versus your budget of 80 million, uh, they did not make uh, that money back. No, no, they did not. Um, yeah, not initially, was, anyway. No, yeah, this was seen as a box office flop, despite the fact that Edgar Wright films, I, I always feel end up kind of floating around in the cult classic yeah, they section. Get a, yeah, they get a second life when they hit home video and on demand. Absolutely. Yes, uh, I have no doubt that this film has more than made its money back in that regard. Yeah, because yeah. right now I'm looking at the Metacritic, which is a 69, but that's only based on 38 reviews. But uh, mm. on Rotten Tomato is um, a 82, which I believe is certified fresh. And... Yes, on IMDb is a 7.5 out of 10. So, I mean, based on what these scores are, even the 69 is still good. You know, yeah. it's a successful movie. But just way back in 2010, <laughs> it, it didn't do too good in the box office. No, it did not. It did not. Um, which what is a shame. I mean, I feel Edgar Wright is a fairly bankable director. Uh, especially if you're looking at the Cornetto trilogy. Um, for instance, Hot Fuzz was mm-hmm. made on an $8 million budget. Yeah. And so that definitely made its money back. It was just that this film had... A lot of fluff. <laughs> a, lot, a lot in it. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, you, not only the, the core actors that they used... But, uh, you know, I, now we can say cameos here in 2020, but back then they weren't really cameos. And yeah. then, um, shit, just the set designs and the special effects or whatever, that probably ate up more of the money than actually paying the actors. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, just uh, running through the cast, uh, you've got yeah, Michael Sarah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, uh, Kieran Culkin, uh, and then Chris Evans, Brie Larson, Anna Kendrick, Aubrey Plaza, Brandon Roth, Jason Schwartzman, uh, Alison Pill, like all of these people that are just like, you hear those names now and you're like, they were all in the same film? Like, yes, exactly. they were. <laughs> and we had a wild Macaulay, well not Macaulay Culkin, but a Culkin. <laughs> Yes, you had a fuller McAllister yeah. uh, in this film. And he's one of the best characters in the film. Yes. Uh, I'm surprised they didn't make a side movie about him or whatever. That can be some good <laughs> bonus footage on a DVD or something. Yeah, I feel like uh, that would be like a, a web series or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, I mean, since it's a video game theme, they can be like a, a side quest or something. They can That could be like the title or something like that. Yeah, a DLC of some description. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but I mean, to, to go back to the, that, that cast listing and everything, one that kind of caught me off guard or whatever, because I haven't seen this movie since maybe 2011, because, you know, I think the cycle back then was, you know, eight months to a year before the damn thing came out on DVD or something like that. Yeah. So, um, freaking Mary Elizabeth Winston, the one that played uh, Ramona, mm-hmm. 
I seen her a lot recently because I seen her in uh, what's that Ten Cloverfield Lane. Oh yeah. Then to turn around, I seen her in Gemini Man, and then right after that, I seen her in Harley Quinn. And I was just like, wait a minute. When I'm doing my my looky loos on IMDb, I was like, wait a minute. I just seen all these movies, and her face <laughs> looks familiar now that I see the titles. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, uh, was it two years after this? She was uh, Mary Todd Lincoln in Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Oh, which, see, uh, that's another one that slipped by me. <laughs> um and uh for those of you that haven't seen it as well she was also in a relatively minor role in swiss army man which is just an insane dark comedy that everyone should see okay i was going to ask you if if you recommended it so since you did i might have to put my eyeballs on it okay (laughs) yes um i mean uh, for those of you who don't know swiss army man is a film about a guy like, and this isn't a spoiler. This is the opening shot of the film. There's a guy who is about to commit suicide when he sees someone kind of floating in the water at the beach. Uh, so he ends up trying to save this person. Turns out it is actually a corpse played by Daniel Radcliffe. Mm-hmm. But throughout the film, this corpse is able to do insane things like that he puts a crutch down the corpse's throat and then uses it to expel the crutch like into the distance and kill a rabbit like it's it's insane but it's hilarious (laughs) and that's kind of been daniel radcliffe's niche since you know the harry potter saga ended you know you got swiss army man then you got uh horns and um i believe uh, yeah the freaking gun movie (laughs) you know you've just been doing a whole bunch of weird shit yeah yeah, very much so. <laughs> I mean, Shia LaBeouf's been doing a lot of weird shit too, but I mean, that's a whole different weird. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, Sh- Shia LaBeouf, not really sure what happened to that guy. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I seen him in a movie called Nymphomaniac and made me feel some type of way about him. He was doing like full-on <laughs> porn in that movie. <laughs> yeah, so I've heard. That is one that uh, I have not hit play on. Uh, yeah, I see. It's, it's two parts as well yeah. so it's it's pretty long it, and it's from what i saw so far i never really got into part two or even finished it but it right. was interesting it's a lot of sex but <laughs> the story behind it is very interesting but as i said it made me feel some type of way about shia labeouf because they showed insertion and ball sack and you're know, like <laughs> bouncing up and down and all kind of stuff it was that graphic right <laughs> Yes, that is what I've heard. <laughs> yes, uh, it, it's something where it's like, I've heard really good things about it, but I've also heard about how graphic it is, and it's like... Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's jarring, because, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you might have seen some things in some movies to make you go, whoa, that, that was crazy, but this is like a porn with well-known actors. <laughs> right. Because they got the um, the guy... From Thor one, the the scientist, the the um, the older gentleman, I, I forget his name and his character, oh. but he is there, kind of like narrating the story. He's talking to the girl that's you know the main character in this movie, and he's kind of like trying to figure out what her problem is. <laughs> so he's in it, and Shia LaBeouf's in it, and they got some other um, overseas stars that are fairly famous in it, and it's just like they hardcore banging, and I was just like, this is weird. 
But back to Scott Pilgrim to yes, 2010. Scott Pilgrim. Um, <laughs> this cast listing and everything. We had two captains in here, Captain Marvel, Captain America. Um, we got a freaking Superman in here. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, we got a whole crazy uh, cattle cave of just menageries and things and whatnot. The alcohol is talking to me now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, uh, people I didn't name as well, uh, Mae Whitman, Ellen Wong, who uh, um, from from what I hear has been doing phenomenal things in GLOW. Um, mm-hmm. And also, I uh, don't know if people recognize the the voice throughout yes. the film, but mm-hmm. that is uh, Bill Hader. Yep. Mm-hmm. I got that down here in the notes. <laughs> Uh, and any Westworld fans will also enjoy one of the vegan police officers that uh, turns up. Yeah, we got Thomas Jane, the Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is quite, and, and as you say, looking back, it is quite the cast list. But obviously, back then, it was a, a bunch of actors, Just trying uh, to a lot a of name. them doing relatively bit roles, mm-hmm. if you think about it. Uh, but it, it is just... Uh, just jam-packed. <laughs> uh, so one thing I wanted to ask, uh, you know, thinking back to when you first went to see the film, what was your experience of Edgar Wright before you sat down to watch it? Hold on, I'm, I'm doing some time traveling here. <laughs> uh, so, I can tell you, this this film came out after he had made Hot Fuzz. So. Okay, so um, to jump back to one more, we were talking about Thomas Jane or whatever. The Punisher came out in 2004, just for reference. Oh, so to okay. see him in this, after knowing that he did The Punisher already, it's just like, whoa, it's The Punisher. <laughs> so I was right in my, my estimation. When I seen him, I was like, that's the fucking Punisher. <laughs> so I was right. So if this would yep. if The Punisher would have came out in uh, 2012 or after 2010, I would have been wrong in my assumption. But I am correct <laughs> this time. Yes, yes, that guy definitely was The Punisher when he was in this film <laughs> um but um Edgar Wright he's the one that did um Shaun of the Dead Hot Fuzz and did he do At World's End uh he did he did The World's End yeah The World's was, End all right. um uh that was several years after this one okay yeah so in those regards to those three movies I, I heard him referred to as a trilogy and whatnot they are, they are the Cornetto trilogy. Yeah, so Shaun of the Dead is forever will be like one of the best zombie movies to me. You know, it's a comedy or a dark comedy or whatever you want to call it, but it got zombies <laughs> in it. So it's a zombie goddamn movie and it's like the best one ever. Just that style <laughs> in which he made the films, you know, the, the dramatic cuts and everything, which translated a lot into Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. And it's just like he made that his thing. So when people see those things and those elements in other movies, they refer to him, you know. So, you know, that's that's my, you know, know, know of him before right. uh, Scott Pilgrim and everything. So I've seen Hot Fuzz. I've seen freaking, um, what I said, Shaun of the Dead and The World's End. I vaguely remember that because I think I only seen it once. Right. So, I mean, it doesn't really stick like the other two, but I, I probably just need to revisit it again. I I would recommend it. Um, uh, we did an episode on it, and uh, um, I, I was saying during that that I was trying to think on it because, obviously, everyone's got their own opinion on where each film falls, which one's better than the other. And uh, I was saying it 
the world's end is not necessarily the one that i enjoyed the most but i think it's his best film well i at like that a, point i just like him as a whole because it's it's almost the films have a lot of carryover like even the yeah. fence bit so you got Sean going over the fence and Sean of the Dead. Then you got him going over the fence in Hot Fuzz, just like very acrobatic and everything. And I think yep. in the third movie, the the World's End and whatnot, I think he totally avoided it, or he got tackled through a fence or something like that. I vaguely remember it. Yeah, that yeah they they do directly reference it, um, and it it is kind of like they're just like yeah, this is our bit. Here it is. Like it's, it's, it's the um, multiverse. It's yeah. the same characters, just in you know different iterations and different universes and whatnot. Yeah, and and another thing um, throughout the Cornetto trilogy, not necessarily so much in the other films, uh, but definitely in that one, you have a character that actually explained what the plot of the film is going to be right at the beginning of the film, um, and because uh, in um, obviously in Shaun of the Dead, the thing that Ed rattles off all of the the drinks that they're going to do mm-hmm. uh, in the pub. That is everything that happens throughout the film. Yep. In uh, in Hot Fuzz, there's uh, what is it that happens? I mean, basically everything that uh, Nick Angel is asked about happens at the end of the film, or that is referenced again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in The World's End, the explanation of what happened on the glorious night out that Simon Pegg's character is trying to recreate, that happens again. And that is what happens to each of the characters throughout the film. Yeah. So, yeah and then, you know, once again, there's a lot of that that translates over into Scott Pilgrim. But we'll roll <laughs> into that and we'll just kind of point those things out, right? Yeah. Very much. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I, was, uh, I would say my my experience with Edgar Wright, I had seen Children of Dead and Hot Fuzz uh, before this one. I had also relatively recently watched all of spaced um before seeing this so it was uh, um it was interesting sitting down and seeing this because it is very much an edgar wright film but it is very different to those films so it was uh, mm. uh, definitely cool to watch i will say uh, i went to this and i watched it with my wife and my wife walked out at the point when uh, Roxy first appears on screen hmm. because my wife did not enjoy this film and I will say my wife also hates anime <laughs> and I think that's the reason why she walked out of this film because this film feels very much like a live action anime. Yeah, I've seen a lot of those elements in there throughout the film and whatnot, just, especially some of the fight scenes and you know, a lot of the characters are just kind of like over the top like in most of the anime oh, yeah. villains and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, and and all of the the same because you ha- I think another thing as well is when you're looking at this film, if you're not able to just accept that everything that's happening is ge- genuinely just happening and this yeah. is just the world that they live in, you're not going to enjoy the film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so, I, just, I just like yeah. uh, enjoyed this film because of the randomness. <laughs> of uh, everything just going on and whatnot. And, and it's random in a sense, but at the same time, it just ties everything together. Yeah. And uh, I, I will say I, I did uh, do a little bit of research into this, and it turns out that there were a couple of different things that they were contemplating for it, and they were you know kind of puttering around the idea of. Uh, the thing that got closest to being in the film is that 
it would turn out that Scott was actually killing all of the exes and everything you were seeing was in his head. Huh. Uh, so at the end of the film, it was going to be revealed that he had actually killed all seven exes and he had just seen it as his way of winning Ramona over. But yeah, he did not. Obviously. <laughs> you scared yes. the shit out of it. I imagine. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they obviously nix that. Uh, and then uh, I, that would be, I was, you know, if they went that route in my mind, as you explained it to me or whatever, it almost seems like a better sucker punch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, it's just like they in reality, then they just tune out and then they in this fantasy world doing martial arts and fighting showguns and all kind of other crazy stuff. And then they come back. He actually killed somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it, but then yeah, as you um, we were talking a little bit before the recording, uh, this is based on a graphic novel series. Although mm-hmm. this film came out before the last book was released, so they actually didn't know for for sure how everything was going to go. I believe the writer did give them kind of the Cliff Notes version mm-hmm. and uh, gave them kind of guidelines for where he was going but he hadn't decided on the end of the series by the time they were filming it so it's almost kind of akin to what they was doing with game of thrones is like the author was writing the books and they were kind of catching up to him as he was writing them and shit and he was just like (laughs) hey slow down buddy (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's um uh because it and yeah this is spoilers we will be talking about the film uh so at the end of this film, Scott obviously ends up going back to Ramona, but originally he was going to go with Knives. Mm-hmm. And, and they played heavily on that in this as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels like, I was actually going to ask you, like, obviously it's a little difficult to throw yourself back to 2010 or 2011 sitting in the cinema and watching it. Uh, but do you recall who you thought he was going to end up with at the end of the film? Even today when I watched it, I thought it was um, Knives. You thought it was Knives? You know, because this is like, it was a foggy haze when I saw it the last time and everything, because <laughs> it's just like my, my attention was divided. And then, you know, I didn't have to, if I seen it in the theater, I would have paid more attention. But right. I had the movie on uh, DVD or something like that. So I seen it at home. And then, you know, when you're at home, you got all kinds of distractions. So <laughs> I never really gave it the full attention it deserves. But even watching it today and just kind of familiarizing myself with it and being blown away by who was in the goddamn movie, um, <laughs> you know, I, I felt like even just the acting of it, he seemed like he was going to uh, go back to Knives. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, I remember thinking about it like right at the end because there is a point at the end before that where there's enough of a breath that you get to kind of just quickly run over it in your head mm-hmm. and i was thinking it feels like he might go back tonight but i hope he doesn't yeah he should I mean, <laughs> yeah he really shouldn't because she's 17 years old and he's 22 mm-hmm. uh but uh which is a five-year would- difference it it is, um, and, but it's just where that five year difference is. Because yes. in the eyes of the law, <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, that's and that's the thing that you know, as you would say, someone who is fifty years old going out with someone who is forty five, no one gives a shit. Mm-hmm. Someone who is twenty two going out with someone that hasn't left school yet, 
just a little bit, uh, a little bit predatory. There. And then I was just thinking more of like, what type of seventeen is she? Is she just turning seventeen, mid seventeen, or is she about to be eighteen? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, then okay. again, there's two different eighteens as well. It's eighteen in school, mm-hmm. and uh, eighteen out of school or in the college. So I mean, you're still rolling the dice. Yep. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and uh, I, I just remember kind of sitting there and thinking that. As I said, yeah, it feels like he might go back to Night, but I hope he goes to Ramona because he has spent the entire film mm-hmm. trying to get with Ramona. Uh, yeah. and, and then Knives herself even says that. Like, you, know, you went through all this for her. And we find out later, I mean, we're going in reverse, but it's, it was a journey of self-discovery. And yes. self-acceptance, you know. Yes. He, always, he was always alone and he felt he had to be with somebody. That's why he bounced from relationship to relationship. Even though they didn't seem good for him, he just didn't, he couldn't fathom the fact of being alone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting as well. I don't know if you were um, paying attention. At the end, he gets the two different swords that he fights with. Yeah, um, I don't know if you were love. paying attention to the the bonuses on each sword, but the sword of self respect mm-hmm. is a a higher bonus all around sword than yes. the sword of love. The it's uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the idea being he he finally accepts who he is, and that is yes. what he needs yeah. at least most. Of he the way, needed anyway. to love himself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. Well, I, I feel like uh, probably a good way to to really focus on this film then uh, would be to look at uh, the exes. Okay. Uh, because uh, not only is that a good way of going through the film, uh, but I, I do wonder who your favorite ex is. So okay. I think uh, the first one would be Matthew Patel, uh, the first ex to literally burst onto the scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, uh, did you, as well, uh, going through, I was say I don't know if you noticed how many references to each number yeah, there was with that, each one. That's something uh, that I was going to talk about as well. I didn't know how you was going to go through the film and everything, because I just went chronologically as I watched it. But oh, yeah. um, <laughs> we get there. I, I can remember the first instance of, like, a telltale signs of an ex was coming around or just subtle hints. Uh, when him and um, Knives was walking, they was holding hands. I think they just came from the arcade, and they came to a crossroad that was in the shape of an X. Yep. And uh, uh, th- there's another point as well where uh, him and Ramona are walking, mm-hmm. and there are seven Xs on the screen. Yes. Uh, when they're doing it. Yeah, so th- there's a lot of just visual Visual cues to when the X there. is a, a, a foot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, it's uh, uh, when so they would Matthew Patel. One of the his things is uh, uh, his hair is actually covering one of his eyes the entire time. So he effectively has one eye, uh, and and of course his uh, backup dancers, singers, if you want to call them that. So uh, they all had the number one shirt on. Mm-hmm. Um, so the- what? And this is where we've seen the gay tactics by Wallace. Oh, yes. Stealing away Scott Pilgrim's uh, boyfriend or whatever. 
yes, yes. Every I, I believe that it is the thing that every single boyfriend Scott Pilgrim sister has ever had. Wallace has taken them. Uh, yeah, it's a really, really fun thing as well. And something that about the whole scene that was kind of the shock was, you know, we've seen... Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, up until this point, yeah. Relatively weedy, like, you know, he's just a, you know, he's not a loser per se, but, you know, he he doesn't seem to have uh, that much going for him. Uh, But then it turns out the man can fight. Mm. Uh, Don't know where it came from, but it it happens. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But, yeah, and... uh, and of course, at the end of the the fight, he gets uh, one thousand coins. Mm. Uh, but it, I think the coins end up not even being enough for the bus fare home. Yes, so I'm not sure what one. coins they are. Yeah. <laughs> well, from um, I think in one of the scenes that when one of the exes was vanquished, they had um, something down on the ground and they got a good view of the coins or whatever. It looked like it was Canadian money. Yeah. <laughs> Can, uh, Toonies and loonies, or whatever they call them, I don't know. <laughs> yep, <laughs> I believe so. <laughs> yes, yeah, that, uh, yeah, that flush Canadian money. Uh, <laughs> yeah, been a while since I've been to Canada, so I actually don't recall I've never what the exchange been. rate is. I, I, I've never been. I, I wanted that to be the first stamp on my passport. I have never been anywhere as long as I had a passport. Oh, okay. Well, I, you know, uh, once, once the world's in a slightly more calmer state and everything's going back to relatively normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel you could probably make a trip up there. Just yeah. go to Niagara Falls. Just just walk over the bridge, get your things stamped, and then walk back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like, um, just to go through the things that I've had up until this point to the first boss battle. Yeah. Um, in Within that scene, we have the gay tactics by Wallace. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, I think in my notes where you talked about his uh, fighting prowess, um, I have the coolest thing Scott has done thus far. <laughs> when he given the uppercut and the blocks and the kicks and everything, it was just like, wow, I didn't know he had that in him. <laughs> and then um, the first boyfriend or the ex had an awkward dance number, which revealed his ethnicity. It was like a very Bollywood of him. <laughs> yes, very much so. Um, and yeah, I... One other thing as well, uh, it, it's in this fight, it's in a lot of the fights, is just the fact that Scott doesn't really know exactly what's going on. So it's that thing of there's just a lot of talking going on during these uh, pretty much life or death fights. Mm-hmm. Like the, And there's even the point where he is talking to Matthew Patel as he is introducing himself. He's just like, who? Didn't, didn't you get my email? Yeah, I, th- okay. <laughs> I, I feel like that was a, a thing around 2010 about did, did you get that email or whatever. Is this people in their emails then? Yes. <laughs> so, uh, and of course, yeah, like looking back at it, I, I don't remember if they were making fun of that whole you've got mail mm-hmm. thing or if they were just using that because that was genuinely what was going on at the time because it it felt like they were making fun of it <laughs> dude this thing says i've got mail amazing the thing we can do with computers these days yeah uh, <laughs> and it kind of reminded me of that bit on um i don't know if you ever seen the uh series uh harvey birdman 
attorney at uh, law. They I all, have seen a few bits and pieces from that. Yeah, they have the the hippo in there. He always pop up in the room every night and he's like, did you get that thing I sent you? Did you get that thing I sent you? Did you get that thing I sent you? And he would go through the whole series saying, did you get that thing I sent you? <laughs> yeah, I I don't think I watched it enough to to have that spring immediately to mind, but uh, it does make me... Yeah, I should probably go back and rewatch that. Yep. That, that is a, a, a classic older show that, uh, uh, unfortunately, my memory is failing me on that one. <laughs> I mean, they, they just took all those old Hanna-Barbera properties and repurposed them. And they got Space Ghost, Coast to Coast. Is that yeah. one I remember? They had the freaking uh, Brack show and... They just did all kinds of shenanigans. Yes, <laughs> very much so. Uh, <laughs> but then, all right. Then we on number two, right? We are. We're at number two. Uh, and yeah, this one, uh, I remember at the time when I was watching it for the first time in the cinema, I remember thinking, say, I really enjoyed his, the, his take on the character... Uh, and like the the line reads where uh, he's having his stunt double beat up Scott Pilgrim yes. and he's just reading the phone he's just like well that's actually hilarious mm-hmm. uh, like I remember hearing that and being like that like that is a fantastic comedic read um, and it wasn't until more recently when I was thinking back on it uh, that I was like what else have I seen where Chris Evans does something like that, and it clicked in my head that he is in not another teen movie. Yeah, he, he had is, the the whipped cream. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. Uh, but the the interactions he would have with the character that wanted to go out with the main character, and be like, "Yeah, who are you?" It's like, "I'm the love interest that is going to, yeah, you know, going to learn the error of my ways and see her as a person that she's going to fall for me," and he's. Damn it, that's true, and it's like he, he's got that perfect deadpan delivery for those sorts of lines, and uh, I I loved rewatching this bit. Um, An- on, another movie he was in that I uh, thoroughly enjoyed, and let me fact check. Yes, uh, Jensen. He was a character in the movie The Losers with Idris Elba and all those guys in. He did um, a good role as like the nerdy tech guy or some shit like that. And um, it was a, about a group of assassins, if you have never seen that movie. It's, it's pretty good. I have not seen that, but I believe that someone actually uh, was telling me about there's a scene. Is there a scene either in an elevator or there's a there's a scene where it's Chris Evans just wearing his underwear or something like that? Well, like they're well, trying to- for that fact alone. <laughs> and seeing that you never seen it, if we ever come ahead to another meeting again like this, we need to do the losers. All right, I will mark that down, and we will definitely do that today. Yeah, because I mean, just listen to the cast. We got Idris Elba, we got Zoe Saldana, we got Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Chris Evans, Columbus Short, who got canceled like many years ago, <laughs> and just a, a cattle cave of other. I've been using it. I use that word more than once, so it's stuck out of my head somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, we we got some good actors in that movie. And, oh yeah, definitely. But uh, Chris Evans in this role here, I have in my yeah. notes. I'm gonna read it right here. It was right after the awkward 
uh, dance revealing his uh, ethnicity of uh, X number one. (laughs) Lucas Lee didn't turn. Lucas Lee did turn into a pretty good actor. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he did. (laughs) Yeah, and it it was. It's interesting. And again, like now we have the hindsight. Like I'm, I'm watching this film again for I think the second time since I saw it in the cinema and I think the last time I watched this film was around the time of Captain America the Winter Soldier so I'm watching it now having seen the full arc of Captain America and seen what Chris Evans was able to do with that and looking back at this now it's just like it feels really cool that not only are we seeing Captain America before he was Captain America, mm-hmm. but we're seeing something totally different. So it's, uh, it's kind of a nice palate cleanser, shall we say? From, yeah, because I mean, uh, when you see these guys now that have a, a role that defines the rest of their career, you know, it is uh, jarring. Once again, I think I've used that word earlier to see them, you know, before that previous, you know, Captain America and whatnot. Yeah. Because <laughs> I seen yeah. him here and I was like, I'm looking at his face. I know he's playing a character. And I was just like, that don't even look like the same dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, they they hit him very well, I would say. In mm-hmm. that. Um, and uh, uh, one other thing I, I do know is that the stunt doubles that are beating Scott up in that scene, they were genuinely Chris Evans's stunt doubles and and they were also his stunt doubles at Marvel as well. Wow. So that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he took his people uh, with him. <laughs> he did. He did. He's a very nice guy that Mr. Evans uh, and uh, I, I will say little little random factoid as well uh in England before uh, Chris Evans became Captain America. If you heard the name Chris Evans, you thought of a ginger-haired radio presenter uh, because there was a very famous radio presenter called Chris Evans who was married to Billy Piper for a while who uh, was in Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so, that, I was yeah. about to ask you because that name sounded real familiar. Yeah, she's Rose Tyler from Doctor Who. Um, and And yeah, so... He, so he was the Chris Evans. And so when everyone started saying uh, they've hired Chris Evans for Captain America, the people yeah, in England were just like, I'm sorry, who? <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting creative choice. Um, but yes, obviously, uh, a slightly different Chris Evans there. Um, uh, but yes, I'd say the next X as well. But even before uh, we get there. At uh, uh, not too long after that is uh, what at thirty nine minutes and forty seconds, heartbreak has struck. I think that's when you had to break up with knives. Yes, <laughs> and um, and there was actually it was a really cool scene as well. Immediately after that, where like you can, he's on the bus and you can see him mm-hmm. thinking about what he's done. And it just immediately fades away to just thinking of what he's going Ramona. toward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, and I, I will say I, I genuinely thought that this film's portrayal of the relationships and things like that, I thought that they did 
really well in in a film like this actually having a relatively realistic relationship type thing like the the relationships themselves aren't super played up and everything like it is obviously the visuals around it are uh, very stylized but the actual relationships it's a very serious topic and they don't like uh, you know the, it's messy and uh, yeah. um, at the end there there is a resolution but it you know was still kind of shitty. Yeah, there was no, there was nothing clean about these things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, not at all. Um, but yeah, because like what I had down in the beginning of the movie and whatnot, and you know, I, I note the five year age difference between him and Knives, mm-hmm. and then I got like um, his inti- his intimacy is very juvenile, or is it that she's not of legal age of consent? <laughs> <laughs> So it was like he was being all kitty and giddy because of the age barrier between the two or whatnot. He was more on her wavelength because they did have similar interests and everything like that. But he was just kind of played down, play himself down to her level to kind of like match, if that make any sense, you know. But yeah. when he with Ramona, he was more, you know, trying to play up to her. So he was playing down the knives and he was playing up to her. Yes, yeah, he he's definitely someone who, uh, and and the film definitely helped the stuff that happens in the film helps with that. Uh, he it feels like he's not had to mature, mm-hmm. and he clearly hasn't because he is living in an apartment over the road from where he grew up, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and he hasn't really had to be super serious about it. Which he shares so. a bed with the gay guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> who, who has gay partners well i mean it's is abundant that he's if i say he's gay his his partners have to be gay right so (laughs) i mean he has partners in the bed while he's in the bed which is i don't know (laughs) yeah at the very least uh bisexual (laughs) very least very least uh but yeah it's uh interesting and you know we've said that resolving towards the end of the film when he has the self-respect like he has grown somewhat he's still not you know mm-hmm. he's not a fully mature adult but uh he, this film definitely sees him grow so that was see now uh, watching this movie and seeing it twice today it's just it has me interested on what the book content contains you know cause, yeah because obviously they pick and choose what they put in the movie and they change a lot of things and whatnot and when I look at these books, you know, it seems like they're geared toward kids, in which I bought the book series for my child. So I'm kind of, I think I should do a pre-read <laughs> before I dare go and hand them off. Yeah, I, I, say, I don't think, I don't think it goes quite as, um, I don't believe it's as mature content-wise as the film. Yeah, because it doesn't seem like that. Yeah, I think it it definitely has a lot of what's in the film. I know that much. Uh, um, And I can't remember, uh, because there's a point when uh, Ramona is asking Scott about his previous relationships, and he mentioned that he fought 93 people to get to someone who he had to beat up to impress Kim. Mm. And I think that's in the books. Uh, So yeah, I, I think you do actually see that. Mm-hmm. Um, at the very least, uh, he he brought something out. Might just be like a, a little um, uh, half book or something that he did that that had that in it. 
uh, yeah, it's uh, it's cool. I I definitely want to uh, to go and read it. I read the first book uh, shortly before this film came out, and then I didn't end up reading the rest uh, for one reason or another. I can't remember what it, <laughs> what stopped me, but uh, uh, I mean. I was living in England, so I don't think the book series was super popular there at the time. So that uh, that's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yes, uh, so this reveal of the next X kind of refu- confused me. Okay. So, ta-da, X attacks him randomly in the alley. And I was just like, so is this number three? And then it goes away, and then we get another X. So I was like, so is this one number three, or is that one number four? And <laughs> it, it, it threw me for a flim-flam. But then we see that the next X has a big-ass number three on his freaking shirt later. So Yep, they- <laughs> um, And uh, the intro scene, I mean, yeah, Envy. Obviously, we get to see Envy and... Uh, uh, played by a then eighteen um, yeah, Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, just wonderfully done. And apparently, uh, she she did the audition, and after the audition, Edgar Wright turned to the people in charge of casting and just like, "We have to hire her." So like, she 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 I'm assuming she did envy in that audition, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's why she got in. Um, and she actually does sing the song that's in the film. Oh, that's interesting. That, that yeah, was they, a pretty good song, too. I, I think I, I have that here in my notes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really good song. Yeah, and it, it, can, right next to it says, uh, boyfriend, number four, boyfriend number four or three, and a nice song yeah. with Brandon Roth. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, I was actually reading just before we got started. He kind of got shafted with that because he spent – three to four months learning how to play the bass mm. and his bass playing, he can play that song and he can play it well, but that, that song is actually metric re-recording of the song. So you don't get to hear any of his playing oh, during shitty. that song. That's shitty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they, yeah. they made it look convincing. Everybody that played the instrument on there, it made me feel like they could actually play that for real. Oh yeah, yeah, and and he is playing it. It's just that they didn't they use that audio it. from the day. <laughs> um, but yeah, they. I will say, I think it's my second favorite um, bit of dialogue in the entire film is in the reveal of the fact that it's an X, and it's just that whole like uh, that's Todd. Like I know, you know, uh, you know. Oh. <laughs> yes. Oh no. Yeah. And, um, um, we go back to the introduction to Brie Larson and everything, um, Scott's ex, his big ex and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that she had the snake earrings. And when she was uh, talking to him at one point, you can hear a hissing in um, yeah. the dialogue and whatnot. And I was just wondering what it was about. They never really you know, did uh, anything with that. I feel like that might be more of a direct reference to the books. Uh, I'd be interested to hear once you've got that and had a look through. Um but yeah, I, I, I feel like it, and you know, obviously her being an, an ex herself, like just uh, mm-hmm. uh, an, a snake, uh, I can see that being in there. Uh, 
actually, uh, since we're kind of on the subject, uh, the sound design for the entire film. Yeah, I have that here in my notes as well. <laughs> I, I, was, I know we was going to get to it at some point, but it's just like everything had something. It had a place. The Seinfeld bit, the freaking, a lot of Nintendo game references and just yep. crazy. It was, I, I, I might watch it again. And the only reason I haven't watched it again, because I watched it um, today twice on an iPad. So, I mean, I've yeah. heard a little bit of the sound design, but I didn't really get the full immersion as right. if I would watch it here in my house with the surround sound system upstairs in the movie room. So yes. I was going to do that when I got here, but I was so intrigued by, you know, what the 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 content of the books. And I want right. I know this would be something that the kid would like. So I was like, I text her. <laughs> and I was like, hey, have you seen Scott Pilgrim? She's like, no, what's that? Good. Don't watch it. She's like, <laughs> then she was just like, uh, okay. <laughs> so I ordered the books today and they'll be here tomorrow. So she can start on that. And as soon as she finished the goddamn books, we can watch the goddamn movie. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> just get to, get to rewatch it again to, under the pretext of just like, I'm introducing you to this now. This is going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. And plus, you know, with that surround sound up there, I want to hear all the different little pings and whistles and all that other stuff because I know. I caught a little bit of it here. You know, like I was telling you about the, the hissing in her dialect and everything when she was talking to him and everything and a lot of the game effects and, you know, stuff. I, I didn't really catch much more of that if they had any more. So I'm real interested to see how it sound on the surround sound. Right. Yeah, it's it's really interesting, like, like listening in to it today when, um, when I was watching it and it's just so many little little noises that almost you know blink and you'll miss them but for hearing cues things like you've got uh the legend of zelda uh item acquiring as sound that's uh just kind of in the background you've got as you say so many video game mm-hmm. little things that playing final there. fantasy 2 and <laughs> Yep. <laughs> All kinds of stuff. Even a lot of game references. And she was just like, what do you play? When she was talking, Nines was talking to Neil. He's like, Zelda, Tetris, yeah. you know? <laughs> Pac-Man they was talking about. You know, that was his pickup line. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the old Puck-Man. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was really cool going back to this and watching it again and listening out for all of those because they were just so many little things and uh, yeah i know i've missed them uh so yeah i, I will happily go back and rewatch this uh just to just to have another listen <laughs> i think this time i'll i might even just watch it on my laptop just shove my earbuds in and just uh like really really kind of delve mm. in that way um uh, yeah uh, i had to commend them for for the sound in this film uh i I'm sure that's where some of the budget went as well. Yeah, like I was just about to say all those uh, sound effect noises. Yeah, yeah, especially the Seinfeld joint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I will say that was something that um, when I first saw the film, I didn't know what that was. Mm-hmm. Um, this time, I did know what it was. Um, I personally am not a Seinfeld fan. So I have okay. never seen a full episode of Seinfeld, but when I heard that little ping ping ping, I knew exactly what the hell it was. Yeah, the same here. I've never been able to get through a full episode, but I knew 
Yeah, obviously. Ah, oh, Seinfeld. There we go. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'll say so. My uh, since I mentioned it, my second favorite thing, my absolute favorite little bit of dialogue in the entire film is when Knives turns up looking for Scott and uh, Wallace just says, you know what? And then you just see him flying through the, through window, the window. He just he, left. <laughs> and a lot of things with that is just like him was, he, he Wallace was trying to cover for him the whole time. When she kind of looked into the apartment, he moved the door so he can get out of the way. And daggone, even when he jumped out of the window, he leaned up against the door frame to kind of block the view of the window. And then when he reached back in to get his coat, he leaned back the other way so she couldn't see yeah. him reach in to get his coat. Again, just little things like that. Like you can tell, he you know he he will bust Scott about something he's doing, but he's still in his corner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's a secret keeper as well, because I mean Scott sees everything that he does. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, and it, uh, one thing as well, I didn't uh, I didn't really realize until I was watching this again. He's the one that starts the first fight because mm-hmm. he says fight. Yep. And he actually says fight in everyone, just about every single one of them. And Scott doesn't fight until he says it because in a video game you don't fight until the word fight is said. So that's uh, another great little video game thing they threw in. Um but yes, uh getting back to it. So the third ex uh Todd Ingram and Yes, I. This has to be intentional that they had Superman playing effectively Goku. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, and and just um, all of the little things of how he he is a complete idiot. He just has superpowers, mm. and so therefore and muscles. <laughs> yes, superpowers and all the muscles, um, and, and this. Uh, again, also um, sound design with this. There's there's a point where Scott is thrown through the wall right towards the end of the fight, and you see him hovering there, and the camera zooms across to the door. If you listen, you can hear the sound of all the doors being opened because there are several doors that he has to go through, and all of those doors are open before he walks through. So <laughs> it's uh, yeah. Uh, I I will say I think this fight was my favorite fight. Yeah, um, it's the one he got his ass whipped in the most, I, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, uh, and also like fairly varied, and I think the best use of Scott working his way out of it, as mm-hmm. it were. Yeah, because um, he wind up, because even in um, the second one when he fought uh, Lucas Lee, you know, he had to outwit him rather than outfight him. Yeah, and then, yeah, th- this one, it was fun having Scott work out that he just can read minds mm-hmm. so sure of course he can and then thinking around that it, what was uh, also funny about this whole thing and whatnot they cracked jokes on him about oh well did you go to a vegan academy and he really did go through like a whole vegan academy is which to why he wound up being an ex because he had to leave and she broke up with him <laughs> yep <laughs> Yeah, it's really cool how there's there's pretty much no wasted dialogue in this film. Like there's everything that is said either is driving the plot forward or setting something up. Mm-hmm. Um with the exception of pretty much everything that Kim says. Um but that it Kim's just fun to hear. 
every time she's saying something. Uh, uh, but yeah, and then yeah, we get to see a vegan being taken down by the vegan police. Yes. In my notes, verbatim. Ah, the vegan police. <laughs> <laughs> and then in parentheses, the Punisher, Thomas Jane, and uh, what, it, what was the other guy? Uh, Clifton Collins. Yes, yes, Clifton Collins. Uh, uh, as I said at the beginning, for those Westworld fans, uh, yeah, he, he is um, a major character in that. Well, okay, sort of a major character in that. And uh, uh, it was again fun just to go back and just go. Oh wow, he was in this. Oh, mm-hmm. that's cool. Uh, especially with the uh, uh, the fun high five right at the end. Yeah, <laughs> and a a massive headbutt to end this match. That's this is yes. the scene to where I was talking about. You kind of see what kind of coins they are on the ground here after that headbutt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, and one thing I found really interesting as well uh, when I was watching it this time is how there's actually no point except maybe the final fight against Gideon mm-hmm. where Scott's bandmates are at all worried about him. Like, he is in the middle of this fight where he is being telekinetically thrown around everywhere and his bandmates are just like, we're just going down for the pizza. Give us a call when you're done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this one's um, like, you know, Scott got himself into this mess. This ain't really got nothing to do with us. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And then it's another thing as well. When Scott finds himself in these situations or situations to where he had to, um, you know, accomplish a goal or a mission, he is like a totally different person. He's like a battle hardened warrior and everything. He's just like uh, when he was mad about uh, I forget what it was. um, They had to go play the freaking the concert or whatever. He was like, yeah, we're going to do this shit. You know, and he was just (laughs) on stage all intense and everything. And then when it comes to the women, he's just like, oh, 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 God, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Because I got somewhere Uh, in the notes, I got to find it. Uh, Shit. Oh, (laughs) the very first concert they had before um, the freaking first boss battle. Unenthusiastic play. When they're just sitting on stage like. Just no no emotion in that whatsoever. It's just like I know they was nervous, but Scott was mentally checked out because before this he had the mental time skip epiphany telepathy thing about Ramona in his dream and shit. So that that was just a weird sequence of events as well. Yeah. <laughs> and then we got to see the progression of uh freaking knives getting super clingy as the movie progressed until the breakup at 39 minutes and 40 seconds. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. The whole thing, and especially I've, I found it interesting seeing like Scott being completely like checked out. And um, I actually, I watched a video. Uh, it was uh, cinema winds uh, did Scott Pilgrim. And one thing that they were talking about was, is you watch the flow of the scenes where Scott is completely checked out, but everything is just flowing so well from shot to shot to shot where he's talking to to Knives and then as they're walking, it cuts to another place and they're still walking and he's not paying attention and it, and then he's talking to uh, his, uh, his bandmate, uh, uh, Stephen, who 
is saying something and then it cuts and they're already walking to the venue that they're going to like it's it all of that stuff is really well and, done and that whole scene was described in the very beginning of the movie yeah you know you know we we almost held hand once and then we go on walks and then we you know she tells me about school drama and the yearbook club and in that scene that we were just talking about, that's all the stuff they were skipping through. You yeah. know, he was checked out of all the things that he was telling them that they enjoyed doing together earlier. Yeah, exactly. Again, yeah, it, it is like a little Edgar Wright thing. It's not quite under on the scale of the Cordesso trilogy, but it is like just something there where it's such a, a great little callback. So <laughs> you, you are just seeing his loss of interest and uh, fascination with Ramona, mm-hmm. um, which uh, it's interesting to watch because obviously after the fight with Todd, he is somewhat understandably getting a bit frustrated with the fact that mm-hmm. all of these people are trying to kill him. Uh, and so it causes like a real argument between them. And you do get to see like, okay, he's frustrated, but again, he's not mature enough to... Yeah. properly have this conversation so he is blowing up and this is the point where Ramona is saying you know you've got your baggage too that you're not dealing with in the slightest and we get that scene of them walking into the club of like oh what knives she's fine and she's staring straight at them it's like yeah, yeah. what about Kim yeah totally totally yeah. what I found funny Bosonic. about that she's like knives is okay she's with Neil now and then he's like kind of waving she walk by and all you hear is like no <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I think I missed that the first time I ever saw it and then yeah I caught that the last one it was just like at 39 minutes and 40 seconds <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah the uh, the fight scene like I'll say the the fight scene with Todd is my favorite, uh, like Scott X fight. Mm-hmm. However, the uh, Ramona side quest. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, the fight against Roxy, I think, is is actually the best overall fight, mm-hmm. just because like so the visuals in it and the way that they put it all together, and having Ramona help him fight, and mm-hmm. and of course you've got the giant hammer from and this is legitimately what this is called hammer space Hmm. yeah um and that is that is the term for the space where like you can just reach into an extra dimension and pull out random stuff it is just called hammer space Um, i I think you would i I think you would call it hammer time you could (laughs) Yes, every time you reach in, that is hammer time. And that was, and this was the only fight that she was kind of involved in and whatnot because it was just she said from herself, she was like, "I was by curious, and this didn't count." Yes, you know? uh, and that, uh, that's actually another thing as well. Like uh, going back to the numbers, mm-hmm. um, I have the uh, list right when, here in front of me. I took a screenshot of it. <laughs> I say when, uh, when. Ramona says she was bi curious, and then Roxy says she's bi furious. Like that's two and two, which makes four. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a point. Uh, there's a point in the fight where she is insulting uh, Scott um, before she bants in between the two of them, 
and the thing that she says is repeated four times before she appears. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that uh, I think was a missed opportunity uh, was, and I actually managed to catch it, uh, all of those words that you kind of see flash up on the screen, mm-hmm. each one of those is actually one frame of just white with the word on it, but the word is path. And so it's only three letters long. I feel like they could have added an extra F and made it the four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, I see what you're saying. But again, that's probably a direct reference to the book. So I can't uh, I can't properly comment on it without figuring that out. Yeah. So uh, what was interesting about how this uh, uh, girlfriend, boyfriend got vanquished, you know, it was uh, through sexual means. And what tickled me about this is, you know, when they poof, you know, money comes out. So I called that the money shot. I bet you were chuckling as you write that one. Yes, <laughs> yes, I, I have it here in my notes, and I'm chuckling as I look at it. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's the money shot. <laughs> and I'll bet you Edgar Wright was thinking the exact same thing when he was putting that one in. Yeah, because you get the moans and everything, and the money, the money splashed all over their faces. It was the money shot. <laughs> yeah, and it, it was... Um, an interesting definition of defeat mm-hmm. uh, in that one, but uh, yeah, and she yeah. said, you know, before she evaporated into coin, that you will never make her do like this. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, and that's a hypersensitive uh, lady to where anybody can touch the back of her leg, and she just <laughs> apparently, yeah, has to be the exact spots, maybe, but uh, yeah. in some uh, in some uh, situations, that can be considered a sexual harassment. Could be. Or assault. Um, yeah. Although. Uh, yeah. We have the buffer zone be. of this being in 2010, so we're good to go. Because they had a whole bunch of gay references and just some other slander that when I heard it, it just hit my ears all crazy. And I was just like, you can't say that in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is definitely um, a different time. Although um, I will say maybe I... Maybe I wasn't looking for it. Like I don't feel mm. like I heard a single line that was disparaging of no. gay people in the film at all. I don't either. But yeah. I've tried to be hypersensitive to what's going on around me now because I just like right. what I hear is ha ha hilarious. Right. But also what I hear in the context of 2020 is just like Ugh, somebody <laughs> can lose their job over that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And um yeah, I, it's almost I ha- it almost had me in the room looking around like, am I going to get in trouble for watching this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it it is interesting. I do think that uh, that that specific way of dispatching the evil ex, uh, which again actually brilliant kind of foreshadowing beforehand as well, the fact that Ramona keeps saying ex, mm-hmm. like rather than ex boyfriend, it's like exes. Mm-hmm. It's just like you know, um, hey guys, no, it's just not just guys here, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I feel that particular uh, method of dispatching her would not happen now. No, um, and and again, not that I feel that there was any specific malice or anything like that. I I I personally can't think of a way that someone would watch that scene and be disturbed by it yeah. but and and uh, in a way of thinking of these scenes now as in reference to the books is just like 
is this shit going to be in the books? When I get this to my nine-year-old, is she going to be reading about tickling the back of somebody's leg and shit? <laughs> you know? I, I'm going to guess no yeah, on that Like one. I said, that's the vibe I'm getting from looking at the book and everything. It's just like, that's not the intent. It's just they had to, with the characters they had in this movie, they had to kind of play it up to a more adult audience, you know? Because... Yeah. I don't know, adults come with kids to see movies and things. And from looking at this movie right now, I would let my nine-year-old watch this. Matter of fact, I was going to let my nine-year-old watch it today, but I was like, hmm, I would rather read the books first, then we watch the movies, you know? Yeah. So I have no problem with the movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I um, uh, I think yeah, my daughter, being uh, being almost four, not quite the right age range for this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, she'd be I, running I'm around getting... here headbutting people thinking they're going to turn into coins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, I am kind of getting her in, into watching like old Ghibli films and stuff like that. So uh, she might she might like the visual style. Uh, but uh, um, but yes, no, the actual, the actual content, a little over her head. And she doesn't necessarily need to be hearing everything that's in the film. So uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I found it interesting... The next uh, two exes, obviously, um, mm. you know, five and six twins. are twins. And I think there's even one person in the film who says, like, when they realize, like, twins like, at the same time, um. and that never gets answered. Uh-huh. And I like that. It's like they throw it out and say, it's up to you. It's like, did she date them at the same time? Yeah. Or was it she dated one and then immediately the other? Who knows? Mm. <laughs> or they could have play, played the flim flam on her. You know, could have. Who knows? <laughs> it's like that uh, Tootsie Pop, com- that Tootsie Pop commercial. He's like, the world may never know. <laughs> and and uh, I I did enjoy. Um, I don't know when you noticed it, um, but all the times that she is rubbing the back of her neck. Yeah, uh-huh. I kind of, I kind of, it caught, it it registered whenever. Um, they was going into the boss battle for five and six and he, she was in the crowd with Gideon and whatnot. And the ring is, was sparkling green and everything. And I know that kind of played into the boss battle as well because the, the freaking demon or entity that they summoned came from a uh, Scott's own envy and jealousy, the green eyed monster that came out to fight the dragons. Yeah, and you can see his eyes are shining green during the fight as mm-hmm. well. So, um, so and it, like it, you can only see it clearly in one or two shots. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, as he's as he's playing, especially when it's like round two, as it were, of the fight, um, and uh, the uh, the envy gorilla or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah you can see Scott's eyes shining green. Yeah, I, I got it as the green-eyed monster on um, my notes. And what I was when that came up or whatever, you know, that's that's envy. You know, you know, he's green with envy. And I was thinking, I was like, we got seven X's here. Is that any correlation to the seven deadly sins? Could be. Could very much be. I I hadn't uh, um, I hadn't thought too much on that. Because uh, I mean, we got envy here. With five and six, I mean, I mean, it's a combo deal right here. But right. we also have um, lust with number four. <laughs> yeah, 
So, I mean, we can draw many parallels, but that was one of the things that popped into my mind when we got to this particular battle. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I, I did enjoy it. Possibly my favorite uh, cut in the film was just before the fight where they're talking about, like, yeah, how we can't possibly have two bands at the same time and it immediately cuts to the giant indoor stage yeah, it was like, with them both on. Yeah. Actually, actually, they can. Yeah. <laughs> and this um, is what, kind of where we see where ni- uh, not knives, uh, Kim cares about Scott yeah. a little bit more than she puts on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Kim, Kim is more than willing to call you out on your shit. Again, kind of like Wallace, but uh, uh, is, is, still in his corner and mm-hmm. uh yeah and that was the uh, parallel between kim and wallace or whatever they always jumped on his shit but at the same time when they seen you know that he was really serious and legitimate about uh ramona you know they gave him like legitimate advice yeah yeah and uh and I, because they always was with him when he go through his bullshit with all these other girls <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and especially kim <laughs> yeah yeah and and it, it was interesting because I know, you know, I know about uh, how he got to Kim in the first place, but then uh, there's not really explained how they then uh, stopped dating, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, uh, if you actually look at it, most of the relationships in this film before Scott and Ramona get together are relatively fickle. Yeah, and that's that one did. of the words that uh, Scott used to describe Ramona. Yeah, and it, now, and I didn't really catch it. Maybe you picked up on it as well because they name a list of Scott's exes. You know, um, Knives being one, Kim being one, uh, freaking you know what was her name, Brie uh, Larson, her being one. So that's three right off the bat, and then they name some other ones. Did his exes total up to seven? No, they did not. Um, yeah, he. Uh, his major relationships had been uh, Kim was the first one, mm-hmm. Envy was the big one, yeah, and then yeah, Knives was him kind of getting back into it. So yeah, he he is he has definitely had less relationships okay. than because uh, I, I, I swore they said more names than just the ones that we know on screen, but I don't know. That's it. That's it. I'm not sure. I, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna go back and rewatch it, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna rewatch it again too because you know, just this is a good, this is way better movie than what I remembered it being originally. Yeah, I, I know this film jumped itself up into like one of my top ten favorite films when I first saw it, and and you know, as happens, you then just kind of don't watch film for a while, and I remember thinking about that when I sat down to watch this. So it's like, yeah, th- this is one of those films that I really, really liked, and I wonder if I'll still enjoy it. And within about five minutes, I was like, yep, still mm-hmm. there. Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I, uh, I think uh, probably the last major thing to talk about then would be the whole thing with Gideon and... Yep. The, the build up for this uh, epic boss fight and the yeah the fact that he stops Scott running up the stairs each time mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and and yeah I did you um, did you remember because uh, obviously he picks up the one up um, 
when he gets stabbed by Gideon, did you have that in the back of your head? Like, he has a one-up? Yeah, or... well, as soon as it happened, I was just like, you gotta use this one-up. <laughs> yeah, and I was wondering how they were going to to do it. I remembered the first time, because it was like, okay, well, he's got the one-up, mm-hmm. but like, are they going to, when's he going to spawn back in? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be that night? Like, when he got the one-up, is that when he's going to spawn in? But, uh, yeah, I enjoyed the just fast cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, through everything yeah, else. And he got a, like yeah. a double life bonus and stuff. He getting extra points and coins and shit. Yeah. He's like, you uh, suck. Bling! Dude, turn into <laughs> coins. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, I don't know if you jotted it down. Did you notice uh, all of the henchmen that he's killing? They are falling to the ground in... Yeah, there's like the silhouette of, coin, of coins. Shape of bodies. Yeah, like that chalk outline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I really enjoyed uh, just seeing that because there's not a body count, mm-hmm. but you know there's a coin count. <laughs> yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I I found it really fun that it was literally like he has all of the memory of everything. So he's just like, okay, come on, like, just like when you are playing a video game. Like, okay, exactly. let's get back through this bit. Here we go and go. It kind of uh, reminded me of um, the way he died. It was almost like House of the Dead or something like that. When you die, to show your corpse on the ground. He's like, game over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, and again, that's you know, probably what, it's, what it was from. Um, and, but I just know uh, for that whole scene, it was just like in my notes here, Scott got all the coins while getting cool fight music from his former band. Yep. <laughs> Uh, and we had X on X action. We did. Speaking of the music, real quick as well, because uh, we talked a bit about um, uh, the Envy Band thing, but uh, the music in general throughout this film, uh, just uh, wonderfully done. And uh, uh, how genuinely intrigued to think what you think on this. Um, like, so the song about the garbage truck. Yeah, I was, no I was trying reason. to. I was. I got the words down, but I was trying to f- figure out the similarities. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what are they That's referencing it. and everything? Yeah, and there's there's no reason whatsoever why that song should be a good song. However, I maintain it's a good song. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not, it's not a bad song anyway. Um, and it's so they, they actually make it kind of like a charming little song. Um, you know, a, as uh, we speak, I'm downloading both of the soundtracks. Because <laughs> uh, um, I meant to do it earlier today, but I forgot until just now. Yeah, I, I will say, I believe on the soundtrack um, for the film, the the song, uh, is, it, uh, is it Black Sheep? Um, the song that Brie Larson's singing in the film, the soundtrack version actually isn't Brie Larson singing it. Um, for some reason, it's, uh, it's another singer. I, I, yeah, I think they just got Metric to, re, to yeah, redub that's it. What, that's but what then, it says here. It's not track number 12 by Metric. Yeah. But but then there is actually a version out there of Brie Larson singing the they whole song. They got two versions of Ramona on here. <laughs> oh, there you go. Then they got... Um, Threshold by Beck, and then they got a version of Garbage Truck by Beck. Yep, yeah, because uh, I believe Beck wrote a large number of the songs that Sex Bob um played. That there's, oh, what was it? I I know I uh, I know I read it somewhere 
basically Edgar Wright sent back the storyboards for the film and he put it up all over his studio and then sent them back like 39 songs like in a weekend he just wrote sang put mastered and sent them all of these songs they they even got the video game soundtrack on here i'm gonna download that too oh there you go i'm gonna have to find that as well yeah the the video game came out the same year the movie did so this yeah so they they adapted the book into a movie and they upon making the movie they made a video game at the same time (laughs) yeah and uh that's actually a thing i don't believe you can get the video game anymore I'm about to find out. All right. I'm pulling up Steam right now. Let's see what we can find. All right. Um, well, yeah, well, while you're doing that then, I was going to say, I I did find the the Gideon fight, uh, the, only, the only thing I thought, the Gideon fight was really good. Um, and, and I found that they did a, a good job of not making it feel repetitive. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you get to see the fight twice yeah. and it goes different ways and you don't see too many of the same moves each time as well. So um, they were able to keep it fairly fairly flowing and uh, and not, not too boring. <laughs> yep. um, the video game got a 77 on Metacritic. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, and again, yeah, Gideon, um, as you see, he's got all of the plus sevens. Every hit he does on Scott does 700 damage mm-hmm. um he has a a sword that looks remarkably like sephiroth's sword from final fantasy 7 mm-hmm. which fun fact is seven feet long uh-huh. and so, <laughs> so yeah like he, he has all the seven and um just another great bit of dialogue as well when he's glitching out at the end where he's just complaining about how long it took him to put together the league of evil exes yeah and it's just you know how long it took me? Like two hours. And and I don't know, again, you might not have caught it given how you were listening to it. When he does that cough. Mm-hmm. The um, coin pops after out. That, yeah. yeah, the coin pops out and you hear the coin, like the bling noise of it hitting the ground. Yeah, and then the uh, movie itself was damn near about two hours. It was. So yes. it's just like, you know how long it took me to get them together? The length of the movie. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, uh, and again, just um, uh, Alison Pillars Kim at the end was she she's just going like, there goes our payday. Yep. No, <laughs> there goes our payday. <laughs> You're like, oh. And yeah, just like seven. That's the thing. The numbers at the end, it looked like it was actually seven uh, in American, like seven billion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> seven billion coins. Uh, I don't think you could shift that many coins. Oh, shit. What am I doing? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it said play Scott Pilgrim online. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> so, you started uh, playing a goddamn ad. <laughs> <laughs> and then, as well, I thought the, the final bit, the anti-climax, you could call it, yeah. of he's got to fight Nega Scott, mm-hmm. and then he just doesn't. <laughs> they're <Yeah>. just friends <laughs> see that's that's that was an that's enough content for a sequel <laughs> yeah because <laughs> i mean yeah, I, I mean just, just right now kind of game planning and everything before we close and whatnot how would you book a sequel for this well that's the thing i don't think 
a sequel would work. However, I believe like a mini series okay. would work. Like, um, yeah, let's say uh, that you were going to recast. Let you know, not that you would want to, because yeah. in my opinion, this film was perfectly cast. Yeah. Um, uh, but let's say that you wanted to to do that, like, uh, and then you were just gonna reboot it. Um, then, uh, then what you would do, obviously, is have each episode being a different X, mm-hmm. um, and then exploring a different either. Yeah, you can flesh it out more. Characters, so, yeah, you can really touch on it, like, or even just make it, you know, do each book. Yeah, that yeah. like how, how we did with Lemony Snickets. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and yeah, I, I think that uh, um, uh, as you got the right people connected to it, and you know, definitely involve Edgar Wright, uh, get him in. Um, uh, I do know that the the writer of the Scott Pilgrim books, uh, Brian Lee O'Malley, uh-huh. he he has said that his one regret is that there weren't many uh, uh, people of color mm-hmm. um, in the film. Uh, it's, uh, it is predominantly white. Uh, yeah. Uh, and that uh, if he were to redo anything, that would be it. He would just uh, make sure that there was way more representation mm-hmm. uh, on screen. But uh, Yeah, I mean, he did, but they were just white yeah because <laughs> yeah. i mean he had a um, a gay character he had um with a she's chinese <laughs> yep. so he had he, he just didn't have a lot of uh you know no. darker tones yes um so so yeah I, I think um i think options are there i wouldn't want there to be a sequel to the film mm-hmm. mostly because i think the story's told yeah michael um, sarah still looked the same so i mean he could do it <laughs> Yeah, he still looks the same. Uh, I I would say that um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead doesn't look too much older, really. Uh, I'm sure Kieran Culkin looks the same. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, unless they wanted to do um, they yeah the same thing they do with everyone now, and it's uh, it's Ramona and Scott's kid, like, and it's them bringing the kid up in in Toronto, the Great White North, as they say. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think doing something more like a mini series um, would would definitely benefit uh, benefit it over anything else. Uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't mind. Um, I think, as I said before, almost like a a web series where you get to see the prequel stuff. You get to see all of the things that led up to the film, mm-hmm. um, and maybe make it animated. Yeah. So, okay. I, I feel. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think, uh, oh, what was, um, I say you could even make it, there was a, f- a show, I believe it was called Code Monkeys. Um, and it, it was a show that was, it looked like an old 8-bit video game. And it was a, a show about people working in an office. Um, and it was kind of like that, riding that line of 8-bit video game era style with the comedy of um, people working in an office. And yeah. uh, and I feel like doing something like that for, or even just doing a different art style for each episode, you know, if they were going to do that, I, I think that would be just a cool thing. Although now I'm just kind of anim- 
Animatrixing. Yeah. Scott, <laughs> Scott Pilgrim. Uh, another which again, another I film that against. I haven't seen in a long, long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Def- definitely. Uh, I should rewatch some of those. Uh, but, but yeah. Uh, I think. Uh, did you have anything else that you wanted to bring up about Scott Pilgrim? It's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it it just like it's soon the first like like you said the first five minutes I was just like oh man what what have I been missing this whole time <laughs> I got yeah. I got screenshots of the the, the list in here because like I said I was confused with three and four <laughs> right <laughs> you know and then I got a screenshot uh, right before the battle with five and six when he's slapping him on the stage trying to get him right so we can get the thing together. <laughs> <laughs> fucking amazing but this is a great movie yeah. I, I really enjoyed it yeah yeah great film uh, yeah fantastic visuals uh, amazing sound design mm-hmm. uh, great music and pretty much perfect casting yeah. so this, uh, this was almost player one before player one <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah. just like so, they had all the the sound elements of the visuals in ready player one <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely it's like uh, yeah it's pretty much if Ready Player One came, was yeah, came out back a then Japanese anime ah okay yeah I like that I got that <laughs> I get that reference yeah. <laughs> I'd say that I was trying to actually think about it because um, there have been a lot of like live action anime adaptation mostly Japanese but uh some Western, including one that will definitely never be named, and I will never bring it up on this podcast. Um, okay, wait till we go off air but, then, because I'm interested now. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but um, uh, there was one live-action anime um, that I saw the first episode of, um, and it actually was um, Oren High School Host Club. Oh, okay. And they made, they made a live-action version of that, and there's one part in it where a character finds out a reveal um, at the end of the episode and the what the Japanese word for surprise comes flying in picks him up and slams him into the back wall and it's like okay that's live action anime and then watching this film that's live action anime. I got you. <laughs> um, and and also something that I genuinely I should have expected given Hot Fuzz uh, and Shaun of the Dead, but I, I wasn't fully expecting it when I first saw the film. Uh, just amazing fight sequences. Like, this yes. is how you shoot a fight. <laughs> and it was just like, you got Michael Sarah, who looks like the non-fightness person ever in the world. <laughs> and then this, the sequences in this movie kind of made me think of um, Jesse Eisenberg in, um, was that American Ultra? Yeah. Yeah, like, definitely. Uh, yeah, the two most unlikely people that you bring into a fight, <laughs> just whipping everybody ass. <laughs> yeah, and then with Wallace as uh, as the cheerleader, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Especially, uh, I I think my favorite one of his when he does that is it's just like Scott X fight Biden. <laughs> I um I think we should definitely let the good people go now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> been talking about this film for quite some time. Once again, if people want to find you, where can they? 
You can find me in the hollowed halls of Walmart, uh, just doing all manner of things and whatnot while wearing my goddamn mask. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> but also beyond that, you can find me on social media on Twitter at 3R Show and on Instagram at the 3R Show. For any other information that you're looking to uh, point it toward my podcast, The Random Rambles with Rob, you can go to Random Rob. Dot com. All right. <laughs> there we go. But spoken with the fluency of a man who has done that many, many times. Yes, <laughs> and I, I do it different every time, and I almost forget something. So I just say, go to randomrob.com because you can find everything that I missed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, um, and I will say I have been spending the past week trying to uh, update our, our website so that... Uh, all of the past episodes are on there. Um, I've got all of our regular reviews are up there. I've got most of the other kind of special things that we've done. I am uh, still putting some of those together, but I f- feel like I, I like the way it's looking now. So if uh, if you feel like it, do go check it out. I uh, I think it looks rather snazzy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, uh, that is it for now. So again, thank you. The wonderful B-Rob for coming back on. Always a pleasure. No problem. Also, you can find the Scott Pilgrim game online. You can play it online exclusively. And as of May 20th, 2020, somebody tweeted at Ubisoft to bring back the Scott Pilgrim game. And they tweeted the thinking about it emoji. All right. Okay. So maybe it'll make a comeback. Who knows? Maybe. (laughs) All right. Uh, well, yes. with, with that final thought, uh, final little glimmer of hope shining over us there, uh, I guess uh, that'll be it from us. So uh, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you later. Bye. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea. Uh... Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.